Hello, I'm Richard Walker with the third podcast covering the life and times of Annie Chapman. 1884 signalled a major change in the life of Annie Chapman. She'd left her husband and her children. In Victorian society, that alone marked her as a fallen woman. Beyond that, she was an alcoholic, an addict, a drunk. And it wouldn't have only been Victorian society that would have dismissed her in that way. She herself would have been deeply ashamed. And her shame would have encouraged her to find a bottle. And he had grown up in a family that valued respectability. Even her father, who was an alcoholic, valued respectability. He was chosen to be a valet, a gentleman's gentleman. George Smith was an alcoholic, but he was a functioning alcoholic. Even Annie's husband, John Chapman, was if not an alcoholic, a heavy drinker. But, like her father, her husband was able to hold down a responsible job. He died of cirrhosis of the liver, but the alcohol never interfered with his ability to function effectively while he was employed. Perhaps one thing only needed to have changed for Annie Chapman, to have mitigated the damage that alcohol did to her. She just needed to have been born a man, as a woman. Society viewed Annie's addiction by a very different standard to that which was applied to a man. Annie couldn't become a man, but she could improve her situation by pairing up with a man. Somewhere in Notting Hill, Annie met Jack Sivy, his surname apparently originating from the fact that this Jack made wire sieves. No doubt she was as useful to him as he was to Annie, although her ten shillings a week may have been her star attraction as far as he was concerned. By the end of 1884, they'd moved to Whitechapel. Her past glories as the daughter of a trooper in an elite cavalry regiment, the lifeguards, her life as wife of a head coachman to a successful entrepreneur, all was forgotten. In Whitechapel, she was Jack Sivy's missus. She was Mrs. Annie Sivy, or Mrs. Siffy, as Inspector Chandler spelt it in the initial police report of her murder. The couple ended up living in Doss Houses. Jack London wrote about London's Doss Houses in his book The People of the Abyss. He says, While 300,000 people of London live in one-room tenements, and 900,000 are illegally and viciously housed, 38,000 more are registered as living in common lodging houses, known in the vernacular as Doss Houses. There are many kinds of Doss Houses. But in one thing, they are all alike. From the filthy little ones to the monster big ones paying 5% and blatantly lauded over by smug middle-class men who know but one thing about them. And that one thing is their uninhabitableness. By this, I do not mean that the roofs leak or the walls are drafty. But what I do mean is that life in them is degrading and unwholesome. Jack and Danny favoured Crossingham's, a doss house in Dorset Street. Dorset Street was practically filled with doss houses, so that people locally referred to it not as Dorset Street, but Dorset Street. And Dorset Street earned the title of the worst street in London. Social reformer Charles Booth described it as the worst street he had ever seen. And the local police inspector who escorted him said it was the worst street in respect of poverty, misery and vice in the whole of London. It was in their Doss house in Dorset Street that Annie made a friend, Amelia Palmer. Amelia described Annie as a very respectable woman who 
She never heard use bad language. She said Annie was straightforward and a very clever and industrious little body when she was sober. There is a tragedy here. But as Hallie Rubenhall says in her excellent book, The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper, the true tragedy of Annie's situation is that, unlike the majority of women by whom she was surrounded, she needn't have lived in such reduced circumstances on the worst street in London. Jack Sivvy would have brought in an income, and failing that they could always rely on her ten shillings a week, which would have paid for a better room elsewhere, as well as for food and coal. Instead, it paid for alcohol. At least until December 1886. In December 1886, the ten shillings a week suddenly stopped arriving. Annie learned that her husband, John, was very ill. In the middle of winter, she set off on foot to cover the 25-mile journey to Windsor. She arrived shortly before his death, but apparently didn't stay to witness it. Annie's sister Miriam described John Chapman then as a white-haired, broken-hearted man. John Chapman died of cirrhosis of the liver on Christmas Day, 1886. He was just 45. Amelia Palmer said, After the death of her husband, she seemed to give way altogether. In early 1887, perhaps because the ten shillings was no longer arriving, Jack Sivvy decided it was time to move on. For a short while, she took up with a peddler called Harry the Hawker. It didn't last. By 1888, Annie had also begun to benefit from a steadier relationship with Edward Stanley, a man of respectable appearance who worked for a local brewery. Although Ted, or the pensioner, as he was commonly called, claimed to have known Annie for two years, they'd only begun their part-time cohabitation that summer. By the late summer of 1888, Amelia Palmer said Annie wasn't happy. She became a pitiful case, marked by drink and despondency, hunger and sickness. Although Amelia said she did crochet work and antimacassars, which she would sell at Stratford Market, where traders gathered from all over the East End and Kent and Essex. And despite her worsening condition, in the summer she told Amelia she still intended to make her way to Kent for the hop-picking. But by the evening before she was found murdered, she had lost hope. When Amelia asked if she was going to walk to Stratford Market the next day, Annie said she was too ill to do anything. The fight had gone out of Annie Chapman, just a few hours before a knife sliced through her carotid artery, and she became a name in the saga of Jack the Ripper. Annie Chapman, his second victim. Well, that's it. I hope you'll join me for the next podcast. And I hope you'll join me sometime on my Jack the Ripper's Whitechapel walk. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>